I hope you have your Bibles with you, and if so, open them to John chapter 1. We've been going through a series of the Gospels at Christmas time. Four Sundays in December, four Gospels, four perspectives on the story of the Incarnation. In Matthew, we talked about the proper posture before the King. Then Brother Rogerio brought us Christmas in Mark. In Luke, we talked about the different questions between Zechariah and Mary. How we should wonder and not worry. Trust, believe, even though you don't understand, like Mary did. And not be skeptical like Zechariah. Today we come to John, and last night we were focused on this passage, and I was questioned as to whether the same passage should be read in both services. And I said, yes, these are deep waters. We could stay here for six months. This morning, I want us to focus on verses 4 and 5. John 1, verses 4 and 5. But before that, now that Christmas is moving toward being finished, I don't know about your house, but we had people at our house till after one in the morning last night, and we had little people walking around our house at about six this morning, so Christmas has been exciting. Let me ask you a question. What is your life? What are you focused on? What are you expecting? What are you hoping in? What do you hope will bring you that joy that you suspect other people are enjoying out there somewhere? that you don't have. See, Christmas is one of those focal points. You wait, you expect, you hope, you wonder what you will get for Christmas. Or, hopefully, you grow into not being able to wait to see your grandchildren open that special present that you bought, or your kids. Now it's over. Maybe it was a little disappointing. Maybe you wonder if other families are doing better than your family, or your heart is not quite as overwhelmed with joy unspeakable like Peter promises us as you wish you were. What is that life? What is life? When does it start? When does it end? I even asked the question this week, when would artificial intelligence turn into life? At what point would artificial intelligence suddenly become reproducing, independent, self-propagating life. Can you even imagine that point happening? NASA, in its search for extraterrestrial life, has put together a list of questions that you should ask an organism or something that you find out there as to whether it's actually alive. What if you found two puffballs in a cave on Mars? Is it alive? Here's what you ask. Does it grow? Does it grow? Is it growing? Living things grow. But guess what? Fires grow. Storms grow. And they're not alive. Okay, so we have to have more questions. Does it reproduce? Does it have babies? Does it multiply? Does it divide and conquer? Well, viruses do that, and viruses, they think, probably aren't really alive. Is it ordered and complex? Is it made of cells? I like that question. Is it made of cells? 
I asked that of Calvary. Is Calvary made of cells? Or are we just a big glob on Sunday morning? I hope you're in a cell at Calvary. Does it have metabolism? That means it consumes fuel and creates energy. Does it have metabolism? Is it, is it heating up? Is it uh, consuming something that then causes it to move and think, exist? And then finally, homeostasis. I had to look that one up. Stability as a system. Is it, is it independent? Does it depend on other things? Is it sucking life out of something else? Or does it have its own source of life? I even heard that there was an experiment of weighing a person between their living selves and their dead selves to see if there was any difference in the weight. Is life anything? Does an organism change when it stops being alive? What is this life that we are living right now, breathing, thinking, feeling, going around the world and doing what we do? I find that waking up in the morning is a microcosm of birth or maybe resurrection. You know that moment when you suddenly realize you're alive after sleeping? Your mind starts working even before your eyes open and you think, oh, what day is it? Where am I? Or you think, what was that dream all about? Or your, your mind's kind of fuzzy and cobwebby and bitter and you just, okay, so what's today? It's like you're reborn. It's like you come back to the world to do your thing. And God's mercy is renewed every morning. And I have to come to the point of saying, why am I alive? When will my life end? And so that's why this verse 4 of John chapter 1 got stuck in my brain as I was thinking about the, the gospel of Christmas in John. Let's read it, and I'll read it from the ESV. You can follow along in your version just to see the differences. I actually like the NIV better in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome of it, come it. The NIV says, his life was the light of all mankind. That word men there obviously means human beings. All people, all living, breathing humans find light in the life of Jesus Christ. In him was life. See, John was the younger brother of the disciples. John was the little brother. He was James' little brother, but he was also Peter and Andrew's little brother, probably playing on the beach while they mended their nets and talked about fishing and then grew up with Jesus and the disciples, and John himself calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. He was lying on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. This is closeness. This is intimacy. This is a person who knew Jesus better than any other human in the world. And in 1 John 1, he starts his letter to the church this way. That which was from the beginning, who is he talking about? The Word that became flesh. 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. He heard Jesus' voice. He would recognize that voice. That which we have seen with our eyes. He's not talking about spiritual light. He's talking about a real person that he saw, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That's 1 John 1.1. 1, 1. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. John, little brother John, lived longer than any of the others, likely was not martyred for his faith, wrote Revelation when he was in his 90s on the Isle of Patmos. By the way, don't miss next Sunday morning. We're reading through the book of Revelation. It only takes about two hours. We'll intersperse it with uh, hymns and songs of worship that have to do with the reading. There's a powerful blessing promised to those who read and those who listen. And we do this at the switch change of the year every year as Calvary. So plan to be with us next Sunday morning and we'll hear from John again. But here's this man saying, we saw him, we touched him, we listened to him, we lay on his chest, for goodness sake. And he is the word of life made manifest. So let's look at verse 4. In him was life. John chooses past tense. In him was life. When? He's just come from the beginning, right? He's just come from in the beginning was the Word. What was that Word? Let there be light. The Word of creation. The Word from the beginning. From before the beginning was God, was with God. It's past tense because the source of all life is Jesus. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. I forgot my PowerPoint. So the title, Seeing the Light of Christmas, is about these verses. In Him was life. Remember in Genesis, it says, He breathed on Adam, and he became what? A living being, a living soul. Something that God didn't do for the animals, something that he didn't do for any other part of his creation, he did for humans. He breathed into them his very life. So I like to say, a tree has a body, a dog has a body and a soul because they think, they feel, they plan, they have strategies. And a person has a body a soul, and a spirit. When Adam and Eve sinned, that spirit was extinguished. So that Ephesians 2.1 can say, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Even though you think, even though you feel, even though you're walking around, you're not alive in the spirit because of the sinful line of Adam and Eve. In him was life. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is life. John 14, 6. What does it say? Somebody shout it out. I am the way. What else? The truth. What else? The life. Jesus is life 
In him was life from the beginning. There is no life without Jesus. John 11, at the tomb of Lazarus, to his sisters, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though his body dies, even though he dies, yet will he live. Hebrews says he has indestructible life. He's a priest because of his indestructible life. Eternal life emanates from Jesus. John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, when you feel that little bit of disappointment with your life or your Christmas or your work, whatever it is that you're hoping will give you that spark of joy, go back to the source. He comes that we might have abundant life. 1 John 5.12 is an amazing verse. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. The world is full of zombies. They're walking around. They feel, they eat. They make houses and businesses and babies. But they are dead in their trespasses and sins until he who is the life comes in. But then the next phrase of John 1 calls, calls our attention. The life was in the Son, was the light of all mankind. The life was, still past tense, the light of all mankind. Now, I think John has switched from the beginning to the incarnation. The life of Jesus born in Mary became light to all people. Light has shone through the incarnation of Jesus. When he came, he said, I am the light of this world. He says, work while you have the light. Those who work in the world work during the day when the light of this world is shining. So while you have Jesus, who is the light, work in the light of Christ. And then he turned to his followers and said, you are the light of the world. Why did he say that? Because his life had come to live in them. And they became the light of all mankind. Here's a, a quote from C.S. Lewis. You've probably heard misquoted. But I looked it up this week to try to find the right quote. This is what C.S. Lewis says about Christianity in mere Christianity. Now, C.S. Lewis was a philosophical professor, a philosophy professor at Oxford. And he came to faith in Christ through a group of friends that he was discussing existence with, and he came to say this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. The light of the life of Jesus shines on everything and puts it in order, makes sense out of the world, out of your life, out of your death, out of the death of other people. Because he is the light. His life is the light of all mankind. But people don't want to come into the light. John 3 says this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light 
because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So I was thinking about this idea of light this week and thought, you know, most light is invisible to your human eye. Most of the spectrum of light is light that we can't see. Unless you have a special instrument or like infrared goggles that the military uses, then suddenly you see all this light that's shining around us, but it's in, in uh, uh, frequencies that our eyes can't pick up. That's the light of Christ because it's not by sight, it's by what? Faith. No one has ever seen God. If you see him, you die. It's like looking at the sun, you become blind. You have to see him by faith, believing, not leaning on our own understanding, gazing at the life of Jesus incarnate, lived out, crucified, resurrected, ascended, reigning, indwelling, and coming again, becomes the light of faith that wakes you up like in the morning. And you suddenly realize you're alive in him. That's what we were talking about last night. All who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become sons of God, born not of man, but born of the Father. So in John, you will notice that those who come into the light do what is true. In John, light means two things, truth and love. Light is truth. Light is whoever does what is true walks in the light. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth, when the lights come on, we see how things really are. Right? Jesus shines the light on a sinful heart and shows that sinful heart just how rebellious he or she is. I keep thinking about the emperor has no clothes. Do you guys remember that story? Remember the story of... Larissa, you remember the emperor has no clothes? All right, so I'm going to tell it. So there was once a kingdom where there was a great king, and he received a tailor in his kingdom who had a special thread. And it was so beautiful and so spectacular, but only certain wise people could see it. And he convinced the king to pay him lots of money to make a new suit of clothes out of this invisible thread, which the tailor convinced him was very shiny and beautiful. So he makes this suit for the king and the king goes out and before his people and of course the news has gotten out that only special people can see the suit of clothes and so everyone's acting special and ooh, look at the king he looks so beautiful you look so regal today what a suit of clothes where did you get that thread and everyone is acting like they can see the threads until a little girl who's very wise and innocent yells out I don't see anything. The emperor has no clothes on. See, that's the truth. And in today's world, there's all kinds of things being said. And you're thought of as backwards or evil if you speak up and say, wait a minute. A man is a man. A woman is a woman. Life starts at conception. It's a life. 
truth is light. 1 John 2, 9 to 11, whoever says he is in the light hates and hates his brother. Oh, sorry, this is the next one. Truth is love. Truth is light and light is love. So light are these two things, truth and love. 1 John 2, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. See, we are in the dark of lies and self-absorption. That's the darkness of the world. That's the darkness of death. You're born into a selfish human body and soul that's dead in its selfishness, in its deceit. The father of lies has deceived us to think all that exists is what we can perceive with our eyes and our ears. And we live, we walk around in that darkness of lies and self-absorption until we receive his life, his light, and wake up to eternal life in Christ. And suddenly, we see ourselves as we are and we confess and repent. Suddenly, we wake up to our selfishness and we begin to love and look out to other people like Jesus loves each other. And that's what it means to come into the light. There's one more verse, verse 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Or some versions say, comprehended it. And so I looked up this word, overcome, in Greek it's katalambano. And it can be translated in all these ways. Listen, to take eagerly, seize, possess, apprehend, attain, come upon, comprehend, find, obtain, perceive, overtake. And I thought about the Christmas story. How many times did Satan try to extinguish the light of this little baby? Maybe through Mary's rejection, maybe through Joseph's embarrassment, maybe through having no room in the inn and being born on a cold night, maybe through Herod killing all the babies in Bethlehem. Over and over and over, the darkness tries to extinguish the light of mankind, which is the life of Jesus. How he was born, where he lived, how he lived, what he did and said, become our light. Temptation tried to deceive him. Legalism from the Pharisees tried to derail his teaching. And crucifixion was the ultimate attempt of Satan to put out this life. And nothing could extinguish it. Nothing could overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. And look how the tense changes from verse 4 to verse 5. That's why I wanted it up here. So verse 4 is past. I believe John starts at the beginning, comes to the incarnation, and then he's writing, who knows, in the 60s or 70s or 80s after Christ, and he says the light, the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. Today, now, in me and in you. And nothing can put the light out. He does not leave us in our darkness, our lies and lovelessness. 
He shines into us. He convicts us. He shone into the world when we were yet sinners. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of two things. What were they? Full of grace and truth. There's love and truth again. Full of grace and truth. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, grow up into Him who is the head. It's grace and truth all the way along. That's the light of life. That's what life is for. That's why we are here, to speak the truth in love every single second of every single day. Look at the life of Jesus. There's three applications to this message. Look at Jesus is the first one. Look at the light of his life, his eternal existence with the Father and the Spirit. He has always been and will always continue. His creating of all things with the Father and the Spirit. When God said, let there be light, that was Jesus going out from God, being the power of creation. His incarnation into the world through the virgin's womb. His life of disciple-making and teaching and going about doing good. His suffering, his death, his resurrection, leading captives in his train, Paul says. His ascension into heaven and his ultimate victory over all evil and the renewal of all things. We know God through the birth, earthly life, Death, resurrection, ascension, and indwelling of Jesus' life. See, I think God made the world so that he could be born of a virgin and show us what true life, truth, and love are all about. It's not a plan B because Adam and Eve messed it up. It's the central element of why we're here. Look at Jesus, study his life, listen to his words, and let them shine on yourself and on your world, and that will be the light of life. See, verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God, this is John 1, 18, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. When you look at Jesus, you see the Father. God is love. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. So look at the light, see the light, then seek the light, seek the light. Look for Jesus in your life, look for him in the Bible, but then seek his face in your moments, sitting at a stoplight. While you put on your makeup, when you're sad and no one understands, seek the light of Jesus and he will be your life. Seek him. Find him. The Bible says, fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. See, that's like those light rays that you can't see with your mind, with your understanding, with your physical eyes. You see it with your heart of confidence in his word and in the spirit that indwells you, and you seek his face. But then finally, see his light, seek his light, take his life. Take his life. 
into yourself, take his life. And I'm not just talking about being born again, but every step of the way, as we receive him, he makes us more and more alive. We become the light of the world. As we love one another as he loved us, as we speak the truth and put down lies, cease lying. We walk in the light as he is in the light. And we have fellowship with one another, 1 John 1, 7. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He, his life, is the light of Christmas. See that. Seek it in your life. Take it in. His life in your soul. Uh, Colossians 1, 27 the hope of glory is Christ in you, Christ in me, Christ in us. He becomes our life and we become his light, which is the life of men who will see him through how we live. His life is the light of Christmas and without him nothing can make you alive. With him, our life is indestructible. And that's good news for all people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you shine. You shine. I pray that you would shine for each one of us this day when we celebrate your incarnation, your life, and all of what you have done in the world and in our lives. Help us not to hope in anything besides you and your life, which is the light of our life. And make us more and more abundant in that life so that your kingdom can come and your will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to worship.